I'm glad you're here too. And I'm glad I'm here. Uh, I look forward to being with God's people. I love coming to the house of God, not just because I'm going to preach. I enjoy that. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I like that part of it. But uh, I enjoy being with God's people. It's an uplifting thing. Just and, and, you know, I know we all got different situations and circumstances going on, but when we come in here, just to see you, just, it, it blesses me. And I'll have to say this, too, that whenever I look out and you're not here, it's grievous. Okay? Because I love you to be here with us. I love you to be in the family. I feel like we're part of the family. And, and uh, whenever we get together at our house, all of our family, and if one of them's not there, it's grievous. I'm not talking about we sit around crying, moan, and groan. We just wish they were there with us. You know what I'm saying. So that's the way it is when we come to church. I'm glad you're here. Open your Bible this morning to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6. We're going to go there again. And we're going to continue to talk today or preach or whatever you call it that I do, teach, uh, mess it up or whatever. you got your own adjectives for it. That'll be fine. But faith that works. Faith that works. You know, to say that we believe something is uh, is good. And the only way that you're ever going to have faith to grow in you, you've got to believe. You've got to believe that this is right, that this is real, that this is so. I was thinking that I read an article the other day about a fellow that was an Italian, I believe he was Italian, and he was a tightrope walker. And back in the late 1800s, he attempted to walk across Niagara Falls. And uh, I can't remember his name. I almost want to say Bundini, but that might not be it. But it wasn't Houdini. See, Houdini's the one that kept disappearing or getting out of stuff. This guy was a tightrope walker, high wire. And he stretched this wire across Niagara Falls, something like nearly a quarter of a mile, if I'm not mistaken. Bobby, you've been there. There's about a quarter of a mile across there. Anyway, he was going to attempt to walk across the wire. Well, he did. He walked across it. No problem. Turned around and walked back. And when he got back to the other side, he got a bicycle. And he rode that bicycle across the wire. Back, no problem. Everybody just clapping and applauding this great feat, you know. And... So then he got a wheelbarrow, and he put in the wheelbarrow a little stove, and on that stove he, I, I, he put a, a pot to do some cooking, and he did cooking in the wheelbarrow as he rode it across the wire. You say, you're making all this up. I read it. I read it on the Internet, okay? But anyway, it's, it's a matter of fact. And anyhow, he, he pushed the wheelbarrow to the other side, and folks were just, ecstatic. We believe you can do anything. We believe. So he took the stove out of the wheelbarrow and he said, okay, who wants to ride back across? <laughs> Nobody took him up on it. Even though they said that a few months later that his manager did let him carry him piggyback 
across the wire. Now, folks, let me tell you, it's one thing to believe, <laughs> but it's altogether a different thing to put yourself in faith for what you believe. And that's why we're talking about this. That's why we're teaching on these things. We want you to understand. You, you can say, well, I know faith works. I believe faith works. But so many times we just slide on by and we don't put faith to work like we need to. Thank you for that big amen. I see this sometimes in my own life. I, I just I have to deal with this. A am I using faith? You say, no, wait a minute, preacher. If you don't watch it, you'll get under condemnation. Let me tell you something. To be corrected by the Word of God and the Holy Spirit does not bring condemnation. Okay? And so we need to realize that. And there's some things that hinders faith from working. Now, last week we shared about Caleb and Joshua, and, and we brought out some truths about that. Uh, faith, first of all, is convinced that the promises of God are true. Every promise is true. And then we looked at how that, uh, that will keep you through any storm that comes along in life. Faith will do that. Not keep you from it, but keep you in it. Keep you through it. See, here's the key to things that come along in this life is the fact of going through it. So much in the Bible, he did not say when, you, when, when the water overflows you, you're going to drown. He said, I'll be with you, and I'll go through, with you through the water. I'll go with you through the flood. I'll be with you in the fire. I'll be with you in those things. And so regardless of what's coming along in life, we can take comfort of knowing that God is with us. Even when a stove blows up in our face, God's with us. And that's, that's the key to it. If, if, if Brother Wayne would not believe that God is with him in situations, uh, he may not be sitting here today. And then we, we found out that faith that works will cause Christ to be formed in you. The, the, the image of Christ, the glory of God. So that, but this morning, I want to take a few minutes and talk about some things that hinders faith from working. Now, if one or more of these things apply to you, I want you to know that I do not have anybody's name written down by any of these points, okay? And if you feel like I'm talking to you, I probably am, but not on purpose. <laughs> I did not say it. I, hey, listen, I used to say, man, I'd be, I'd be putting down notes and I'd be going through all this meditation and I'd come across it and say, oh, they need this, so-and-so needs this. And, and Man, yeah, so-and-so needs this. And I'd go through there and, and I'd get to church on Sunday all pumped up and ready to go, so-and-so wouldn't be at church. <laughs> so I quit doing that. All right? I hadn't, hadn't done anything with anybody in mind except me. So things that keeps faith from working. I believe faith works, but there's things in our life that will keep faith from working. You know all the scriptures, you can do all of these things, but these things right here will keep faith from working. And the first thing is, is just flat out unbelief. Now there's a difference between unbelief and doubt. Did you know that? Unbelief is choosing not to believe some things of God either because of your tradition, your background. Maybe you've not been taught, you don't know but still unbelief. I, and I was thinking about the, the man that had the son that was, that was possessed, and he brought him to Jesus' disciples to see if they could help him. 
And they tried everything they knew to do. Now, I'm going to tell you something. These folks had already been exposed to the teaching of Jesus for over two years at this time. These disciples, they knew how to do it. They saw Jesus do it. They, they heard Jesus speak directly to the devil and, and how he would lay hands on the sick and how he'd speak a word and people would be healed. And they knew all of these things and they, they, they knew the procedure and they knew the method. And folks, we can know the procedure and the method to everything, but there's times that we'll be hindered. And they came to Jesus. After Jesus healed the boy, cast the demon out of him, gave him back to his father, and when they got into the house, I believe it was Jesus' house, but other people believe different things. But when they got in the house, Matthew chapter 17, verses 19 through 20 said that why, they asked and said, why could we not cast him out? Why could we not do this? And then Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Oh, wait a minute, preacher, these guys have been in church every Sunday, every Saturday, every, month, every Wednesday night, did not miss nothing, all for over two years. And Jesus speak to them and say, because of your unbelief. Well, unbelief will hinder faith. Now, I, I don't know what was going on. I do know that when he brought his son to Jesus that, that he fell down, wallering and foaming at the mouth and, and over in the fire and in the water. Maybe this was going on with them, and it caused them to have unbelief. And, and, and after the first time that they said something, nothing happened, and they began to wane down. But Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. Now listen to what he said. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you would say, I don't do that saying. Well, we'll get to that in a few minutes, okay? We'll come to that. But he said, you would say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. But, but we've got to say, hey, look, this is God's Word. This is what God said. And I, I don't care what situations may be going on and, and happening in life, this is what God's Word says, and I'm going to hold on it, and I'm going to keep speaking to that mountain, and I'm going to keep telling that mountain to go, and that mountain's going to have to move based upon the Word of God and my faith in that Word. Another thing that hinders faith and keeps faith from working is fear. People get in fear. Now, there's a fright that everybody has. Startling, be startled, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you, you're driving down the road and somebody pulls out in front of you and you slam on the brakes and, whew, and your heart's beating about ten times faster than what it needs to beat and, and all of this and you, wow, that's right. That is a common, natural, human reaction to a bad situation. It's an emotion. Just like joy is. I mean, you know, this somebody, uh, say like that guy, he pulls up to the road and he flags you down. He says, I want to give you my new car. I see just the opposite of that would be, yay, I got a new car. How? You know, that's, it's the same. It's a human, natural human reaction. But when I'm talking about fear, I'm talking about something that Satan brings against us to cause us to doubt and get in unbelief about the Word of God. To feel like God's Word won't work. He brings symptoms on our body and, and, and persists in it to make us feel like that healing don't work. 
or, or we stay under a pressure financially, seem like all the time, this tears up, something goes wrong here, this kind of thing. And, and it makes us feel like that, that God's blessing and prospering His children, that that don't work. And, and, and so we get in fear about it. Uh, we get in fear in the financial realm when things get a little bit tight. We get in fear. And you know, when you get in fear when finances are a little bit tight, the first thing you do is you quit tithing. Say, preacher, you always have to bring in something about tithing. But, you know, Jesus had a good way to talk about money, and he did a whole lot. He talked about money a great deal. So it's no wonder that me being his disciple would talk about money sometimes also. Thank you. I was waiting on that. Now I'm ready to preach. Now, anyway. In Mark chapter 4, here again, these disciples had been in a meeting and Jesus had been teaching about faith, the, the parable of the seed and the sower, the, and talked about that and how it worked. And so then when they got through with all of that, he, he told his disciples, said, get in the ship and let's go to the other side. So they were going to the other side. Jesus laid down to go to sleep. He was fast asleep, man. I mean, he was in slumberland, probably dreaming about heaven. I don't know. But he was, he was asleep. And the storm came. And, and the winds were raging. And the, sea, the ship was about to sink. And they came and woke him up and said, Don't you care that we're about to die? Jesus got up, rebuked the winds and the waves. Peace be still. They laid down at his feet. And he looked at his disciples. He didn't turn around and say, Oh, you poor guys. I'm so sorry that I laid down and went to sleep and let this happen to y'all. Would y'all please? No, no. He just looked at him and said, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Or why is it that your faith is not working? He had done told them, If you say, it'll happen. And here there were that, that, that witnessed the things that he had done fed the multitude, said, witness this. And then here they come up, and they got in a little trouble, a little pressure, and they let fear consume them. Now, we do that same kind of thing, too. We do things in fear. Do you know, do you know, let me tell you something. That, <laughs> I'm trying not to be disrespectful saying this, but I can't say his name. So the little rocket man in North Korea. Kim, Kim, Kim something, something, something. It's almost to the point of holding this nation hostage by fear. See, that's the main thing of the terrorist. They want to instill terror, fear in people. And if they can get us fearing, faith's not going to work in the attitude of fear. But we've got to realize, you say, well, don't the Bible say to fear God? Well, listen, there's here where we come back again and write the divide the word of truth, and you've got to do some study because when it talks about fear in relation to God, it's not talking about a terror. It's not talking about something that, that you know, we run around here, afraid God's going to hit us in the head. With a, I heard somebody say that the other day. Just, oh, and I said, oh, God bless them. God's going to hit us in the head with a bolt of lightning if we do something wrong. I mean, people, people have... I say people. You know why I can say people have that attitude? I used to have that attitude. I used to say, well, well, God, I don't know why you're doing this to me. I've been pretty good. 
had a flat tire. I blamed it on God. And God was causing me to have a flat tire because I had done something bad. You say, preach, that sounds stupid. It don't sound any more stupid than a lot of stuff that us intelligent people do. Fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Now, there's things that we do that there's a lot of people doing things in fear today. A lot of them do it. I mean, uh, arming their homes. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I got guns with ammunition in them at my house. Okay? I'm not, you know, you guys know I'm not against that. Why have I got that? Have I, I, have I got it because I'm in fear that somebody's going to break into our house and do something that they shouldn't? No. I've got it because along with that, God's given me a sound mind. And he's given me the right and obligation to protect my family. We've talked about all this before, and I'm not going to get involved in that. And, and, and I've not got it because I'm afraid something's going to happen. See, it's just like in churches now. I don't know, I don't know if it's a reason that a lot of folks have made an excuse about not going to church because church is getting shot up. And it's, it would be easy for us to say, Oh, man, you don't know. Man, we need to start monitoring. Everybody comes in that door. You know, we need to... And, and we get in fear. And, and we're, we're, we're beginning to take some measures for security around here. I know we're on, a, on a, the only main street in Fallful, right by the interstate, and all of this, and, and it would be easy for us to get in fear. And if we did, it would destroy us. But we're not going to get in fear. But we are going to take some security measures. That's sound mind. And I don't want anybody to come to church because they think they're going to be safe because somebody's packing at church. Or because we may have a security camera. I don't want nobody to come to and say, oh, we'll be safe down there, man. They got two or three guns in the congregation. They got security cameras. I don't want that. I want people to come to church because we believe that God's angels surround us. We believe His glory is here with us, and that glory protects us. And to use a sound mind does not destroy that. I'm prepared, and, and I just don't believe we'll ever have to have it. That's my goal. That's my thought. We're not going to do anything out of fear, because fear will hinder our faith as an individual. It will hinder our faith as a group, and I'm taking a whole lot more time on this than I had intended to. But if I just follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Sin. I knew you'd get to that after a while. Sin. Known sin. I'm talking about when you know that there's a sinful way and condition in your life and you're not doing something about it. Now, I know there's, there's things and traits and habits that sometimes we have to grow out of those things. And it takes a commitment. It takes a commitment of faith sometimes to grow out of that. I, you know, there's things that I did before I got saved. I still did them after I got saved. I still did some of these things after I called to preach. I still did some of these things after I pastored church. You say, what did you do? 
feel like the preacher said one time, well, you tell me what you did, and I'll tell you what I did. You go first. <laughs> but what I'm saying, there's things, and, and it, wasn't, it wasn't bad, ugly, immoral things, okay? I don't think anybody's going to come walking in the door and accuse me of child molestation 40 years ago. If anybody comes in and says that, don't believe them, okay? <laughs> Set that straight right now. But but listen, there's things I did, ways I acted, things, you know, anger, fear. I'm going to go back to this fear. I used to be so afraid of the dark that I couldn't go outside at night without a flashlight. I felt more comfortable if I had two. And if I went into a building, a room where it was dark, and if I didn't have a flashlight with me, the first thing I was doing was reaching around the corner to the light switch. And I hated it whenever I was a kid growing up. In one house we lived in, they didn't have a light switch. They had a light hanging down in the center of a room with a pull string. And you stand out here and you... <laughs> what happened? You missed the string. But... Fear ate me up. I'm talking about as a, not as a kid, but as a grown man. And, and I did not get free of that until after I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and began to understand the Word of God, the Word of faith, and that I realized that I was an overcomer, and I began to say His words, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. See, there's things. And, and so, you know, we got to move out of these things. But what I'm talking about is this. Things that we hold on to that we know that we don't need to hold on to them or not doing anything to get rid of them. Well, I'm just human. We pass it off to, to humanity. But the Bible says that now then that I'm no more, that I'm not to anymore be in the flesh, but I'm to be in the Spirit. Because if I'm in the flesh, I'm going to give in to all of these things. But let me tell you the, the biggest thing that hinders Christian people's faith from working is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. A lot of places we could go to with that, but in Mark chapter 11, verse 25, I'm going to skip over that Matthew one there. You noticed that, didn't you, Bo? Bo, Bo and Luke do a good job, don't y'all think? Yeah, go ahead. Mark 11, 25 said, And when you stand, pray, and forgive. Don't say if you pray. He said when you pray. And this is something you need to do all the time. When you pray, forgive. When you pray, forgive. If you have ought or anything against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. And the next verse goes ahead and says, For if you do not forgive men their trespasses, your Father in heaven will not forgive your trespasses. And if I have sin in my heart, and David said, if I regard that iniquity, the Lord will not hear my prayer. And my confession of faith is not going to work. If I want to hold something against somebody, if, if somebody has offended me, and I want to hold it against them, I can act like I'm standing in faith all day long. I can read 15 pages of confessions. I can listen to, to every faith preacher in the country preaching all day long. And if I'm going to hold on to that forgiveness, I'm not going to see faith work in my life. We've got to be willing to forgive and move on from that. And, and people say, well, I, I, I can forgive, but I can't forget it. You're right. 
you definitely can't. Boy, it got quiet, didn't it? But you can come to the place in your faith walk and in your love walk to where it don't matter that that happened in your relationship with that person because that's what God did for us. Did God forget it? No, God didn't forget it. God said, I choose not to remember it. It's not going to make a difference in my relationship with you because I've removed it from you. I put it under the blood and I regard that no longer. Now, laziness. Laziness. <laughs> I don't know if I want to or not. <laughs> you know, the Word of God has taught us how faith works. But we get this attitude, I don't want to do that. Right? And we get lazy in it. I can wait till tomorrow. I can do that later. The Proverbs has a whole lot to say about the sluggard or the person that's lazy. And I didn't have a scripture specifically for this because I knew if I started putting down scriptures, it would be here for a long time. We need to attack, if this is the right way to say it, we need to pursue, that sounds better, faith. The same way that someone that sets a goal to be a professional athlete pursues that sport. Let me tell you, we wait so many times until something happens before we start trying to develop faith for that situation. A couple of years ago, I heard Keith Moore preach a message about before faith. Before faith. And don't talk about what happened before faith started. He's talking about having faith before something happens for that. Well, if I don't know what's going to happen, that's the reason that we've got to stay our faith working all the time, developing our faith all the time. Let me tell you, let me tell you when your season started for the next problem you're going to go through when you went through that last one. Every smart coach will tell their team when they play the last game of the season, hey, look, guys, our season starts tomorrow. Our new season starts tomorrow. Hallie was telling me the other day that they started softball practice. They're letting them practice at this time of year. And, and a lot of those girls, some of them's not out there, but the ones that are out there, they'll be standing around and saying, I don't want to do, I don't want to do nothing today. I don't feel, I don't want to hit. I don't want. And she said, she told them, they said, look, girls, our season has done started. I know we don't play till February or March, but our season has already started. These other teams are practicing. We need to get on it. Let me tell you something, folks. The devil is relentless. The devil's not stopping. Life happens. Things keep moving. And we can't sit around and wait and see what's going to happen next before we start building our faith if we want a faith that works. Hallelujah. Okay, Galatians 5, 6 says, For in Christ availeth nothing, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Isn't that what it says? Not walking in love as you need to will hinder your faith from working. It will. If I don't love someone, then there's a problem. If I'm not loving God, 
there's a problem. Now this word for love here is agape. And agape is love in action. It's not just a, a noun that sits there by itself without any, doing anything. You know, it's, it, it's not just the word we use in a song. But what it means, and that's the reason the King James is translated charity. Charity is love doing, love in action, love accomplishing something. And, and for us to say that we love somebody and never show it, that's not good enough. To say, oh, I love, I love everybody. But then there's people we put down, we look down on, and we turn away from them. We won't try to do anything to show them that we won't encourage them. You know, I ain't have nothing to do with them. They're always sour, always negative. Well, and it's people like us that won't have anything to do with them that keeps them that way. Thank you for that big amen. One part of love, is, and I, I discovered this in studying, and uh, can I ask you a question? Do you love me? Do you really love me? Okay, then give me all your money. That'll be love doing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> be like a guy going in the army. I ain't volunteering for nothing. <laughs> a, a part of love doing is hospitality. Can I get real with us for a few minutes? And y'all won't be mad at me if I get real with us, will you? Y'all know I've never been one to be too politically correct. Y'all know that, don't you? And people say, well, you've got to be careful. You'll offend somebody. That's our problem today. In this world, our problem is we're afraid that we'll offend somebody. Listen, the truth may offend, the truth may cut, but the truth will set you free. Hospitality. Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 18. It's a little bit lengthy reading. But I, want, I want us to see it from the New Living Translation. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. Lost my place. Never. Did, did I read that? Verse 11. Okay. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. And when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Boy, that's pretty tough, isn't it? Pretty strong. And that comes right out of the Bible. And the reason I read it here, King James is worse. Okay? Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that anyone can see you are honorable and do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. King James says, As much as within you is, live peaceably with all men. But I want to come back to this word hospitality. Hospitality means to be fond of guests, and neighbors, and associates. Be fond of them. 
how do you, how do you how do you do this? Well, it's by showing that you're interested in it. Now, the town of Falsa, as a town, is hard to get accepted in. I know personally. I moved here, outsider, over 31 years ago. And I'm telling you, there was folks in this town that would not speak to me, did not welcome me into town. We lived here for 11 months before anybody from any church even come by. And they only came by then because a minister friend of mine said to them, y'all ought to be ashamed of yourself. Them folks have been living over 11 months and had not been by to see them. Hard town to get in. After we started church, we were told we wouldn't last a year. Same people that, I mean, they just wouldn't, you know, they'd talk to you if you got around them. There wasn't nobody else around. Uh, that kind of thing, you know. And it was difficult. I didn't like Falsa. I didn't. I thought, man, it's one of the most unfriendliest towns I have ever been in in my life. People don't want to have nothing. People want fellowship. And, and not just people in the stores. I'm talking about churches. Churches. We had been going on for nearly four years before we were ever invited to be a part of the Ministerial Association. I know how it feels, you know, to be in that position in this town. And folks, I don't want our church to be that way. Oh, haven't we got a friendly, loving church? You know, it's, it's hard to accept when somebody comes to church and I go to visit them and I go to visit them maybe they come a time or two and I go to vi- I go to talk to them to visit them and encourage them and I've had this said to me more than once about the only people that spoke to me down there was the people at the door and you then nobody else act like I was there I don't want our church to be like the town of Falsa I want our church to be welcoming how would you feel if somebody invited you to come over to their house and you went to their house and, and, and they let you in the door and you come in the door, but the husband and wife's over here talking, having a conversation, and the children's over here talking, having a conversation, and you're just there. And you get ready to leave. You go out and say, well, I'm leaving now. Well, come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, hold your breath. You know. <laughs> We've had that said about us. We've actually, I've actually had this said, and, I, and I'm being honest. I'm not fussing. I'm just being honest with you. I've actually had this said. I've mentioned somebody's name in church to people and say, now, now which one are they? I don't know them. Let me tell you something, folks. When you see somebody new come in our church, you ought to make a beeline to them to, to find out who they are. Let them know who you are. Welcome them into our church. Talk with them. Spend time with them. Let them know, hey, we're glad you're here. And it ought to be more than just the pastor that does that. We've got to be all, all of us involved in that kind of thing. See, that's a part of love. And, and I'm not trying to be hard and ugly. I'm trying to help us understand, folks, if we want to see this thing grow, and I do, and I believe you do too, then we've got to learn to be a more hospitable. You know one requirement for me being pastor? You can read it in 1 Timothy chapter 3. It said that one thing that I'm to do is to be given the hospitality. That's the reason that, that it's just in me that anybody that comes in, and every one of you, if I can at all, I get to you before church, 
and I, I shake your hand, I tell you I'm glad you're here, hug you, whatever, uh, you know, the, the appropriate thing may be in that. But, but anyway, tell you I'm glad you're here. I love to see you. I'm glad you're here. And, and when I go out somewhere, you know, I go around, I talk to people, shake their hand, and, and uh, I go to the ball game. I can't sit in one place most of the time. I get up and move around because I want to talk to people. And it's not that the one I'm talking to is not interested. That's just other folks that, you know, I want to talk. And I want that anointing on you. I want it to be, to flow out to where that everybody say, hey, that's a friendly church, and we don't have a little group here and a little group there and a group at the door, and, and nobody recognizes when somebody else comes in the church. We've got, we got to, to show hospitality. And listen, if we don't, it can hinder our faith as a church from working. In 1 Peter chapter 4, I'm going to read this to you, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7. I'm going to read verses 7 through 9. This is from the Amplified Translation. Let me, let me just say this. If you are involved in a ministry in our church, just for instance, the teenagers, I'll just say, talk to Pat and Bradley. They, they can handle this. They're big enough. They can take it. When you, see a, when you see a teenager come in church, you ought to go to them and say, Hey, man, I'm glad to see you in church this morning. Just talk to them a minute. You women, you know, if you're part of the women's group and you see a, a, a new one, come, hey, look, we got a women's group going on. We'd like you to come and be a part of that. The children's church. And, you know, we see children come. You ought to go and say, hey, you know, hey, look, I think you may be in my class today. You know, make, make everybody. Teenagers. We look around and, 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 folks, we're getting thin on teenagers. Have you noticed that? And, and we've got to welcome them. And our teenagers need to learn to, when they see somebody different come in church, a teenager, is to go introduce herself and make them feel welcome. This is part of hospitality. And we all need to be involved in that. Not just me, but all of us. I'm not the church. I'm just the pastor. But, and, and so the church, for the church to have the name as being a friendly, welcoming, open church, it takes all of us working together. First Peter chapter 4, verse 7. But the end and culmination of all things has now come near. Keep sound-minded and self-restrained. Yeah. And alert, therefore, keep self-restrained and alert, therefore, for the practice of prayer. In other words, we know it's the end time. We need to be praying. And listen to this. And above all, have intense and unfailing love for one another. Now that un intense, unfailing love for one another will not just love on people and welcome people and share with people when they're in church, but it'll also do it when we're outside the church and when people have needs and circumstances come up, we do what we can to help those. For love covers a multitude of sins, forgives and disregards the offenses of others. That's another thing that hinders faith from working is taking offense, getting offended. You get offended and stay offended, your faith's not going to work. Practice, listen to what he said, practice hospitality to one another. This word hospitality, as I told you before, it means to be fond of guests, neighbors, and associates. It comes from two different words. It's compounded together. So you can go to your Strong's Concordance and look it up. I believe it's number 3580-something. Anyway, practice hospitality to one another. Those of the household of faith. Be hospitable. Be a lover of strangers with brotherly affection for the unknown guests, the foreigners, the poor, and all others who come in your way 
who are of, of Christ's body, and in each instance do it ungrudgingly, cordially, and graciously without complaining, but as representing him. I was praying yesterday afternoon about a lot of different things. And I was praying, I said, God, how can we get this attitude of, uh, of hospitality? Where did we lose it? And you know, what, you know what the Lord showed me? It's back yonder two or three years ago when we stopped having a fellowship time in church. And it's just... So we're probably going to start doing that. I don't know if we'll do it every Sunday, but we're going to do it a lot. Because it'll break the ice. It'll move us out of our comfort zone. And when we do that and you see somebody new here, somebody had not been here for a while, you ought to make special effort to go by and speak to them. You don't have to hug them. I mean, you know, I know not everybody in here is a hugger, okay? But if you're a hugger and, and if they're a stranger, you, you, you know, shake hands with them, say, offer to hug, hug, but, and, and then do it politely and properly because we don't want a case come up against you 20 years from now. <laughs> Boy, that went the anointing, didn't it? <laughs> when you see somebody hadn't been in church for a time or two, call them. Let them know you care about them. Let them know you're concerned if they're not there. Don't come up to me six, eight weeks later and say, well, what happened to so-and-so? I'll tell you what I know, but you could have found out back yonder by talking. Maybe they'd have been more honest with you than they were with me. And that way you could tell me where I missed it. Instead of me telling you where you missed it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Folks, this thing of growing our church and seeing our faith work as individuals and as a group, it, all of us involved in that. All of us need to be doing that. Everyone. And see, if you study the ministry gifts in Ephesians 4, it said he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping of the saints. The equipping of the saints, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. So if we want to see it built up, then you take the things that I teach you and all together we'll work and we'll be known as that friendly, loving church where the anointing of God is and I know I can go there and be loved on and my needs will be met and I can see God work and can leave feeling like, hey, I've been to church today. Amen? This is something that we all need to do. All of us. Together. And I want to ask you to help. Okay? I want our faith to work. I want to see the finances come in for this addiction. Is that how much we need? I don't know, but it's more than I've got. My Father's got it all. Hallelujah. And He's proved Himself time and again. And he's just said there's some things that we need to do. We need to do these things in our life. We need to make sure that we're not allowing faith to be hindered and to work. My goodness. I thought it was about 12 o'clock. I felt like I'd been preaching a long time, and you did too, didn't you? But <laughs> I'm going to preach the rest of that message now. i got four more points to go. No, I'm just kidding I want you people to know I love you. And 
what I've said has come across to you offensively, then please forgive me, but receive it. This is an admonition for all of us, each one of us. And, and so we all need to be involved in this, okay? Now, we're going to do something a little bit different than we normally do. Uh, if you agree with me that this is an area that we need to work on, I want to ask you to stand. I didn't say that anybody's guilty of it. I said an area that we need to work on. Okay? And if we agree together that we need to work on this, then we'll, we apply ourselves to do that and move in that direction. So I want you to make this confession. Just close your eyes, if you would. Just humor me now. Close your eyes and let's make this confession before God. Father God, we come to you just now. Father, we don't want our faith to be hindered by anything. Forgive us of unbelief. Forgive us of fear. Forgive us of doubt. Forgive us of laziness, Lord. And forgive us of not allowing our love to work. Especially the air of hospitality. Help me, Lord, to develop this trait. To move out of my comfort zone especially in church, but then in everyday life, to show love in this way, to make people know your grace, and to let them know I care. I thank you for it, Father, that our faith in Victory Fellowship, my faith in my life, is not hindered, but it's working, and it's producing to the glory of Almighty God. And I give you honor and praise for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, church. Thank you. I feel like that, you know, I, I know I'm not your daddy, but I feel like you're obedient sons and daughters to Almighty God. I really do. And I believe that, that we see a difference. You're going to see a difference in your life. You're going to see yourself moving to overcome that unbelief more, getting rid of doubt, not allowing fear to dominate you and control your life, not taking offense as easy, not being lazy, and working to show your love. See, we're in a time of year right now to where we can show that love. And I've done heard of some people that are doing differently in their homes this year at Christmas and reaching out. And that's a wonderful time to do that. And reaching out to help others, those that, that are that are less fortunate. And those kind of things, that's love at work. That's love doing. And there's so many ways and so many opportunities that we can come into that. Praying for each other. Encouraging each other with a word. Now I'm going on with this. I'm not going to preach that other message, okay? But if you need prayer this morning, if you've got a need, whatever it may be, physical, spiritual, mental, Whatever, you just need to touch some God. And while we wait on the Lord for a few moments, I want.